This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Uh, what we're doing here today, here at Aisha Torah, welcome to Practical Spirituality. Uh, we are working on ourselves um, in these weeks, building up to the giving, the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. So the way it works is basically like uh, so much of life is like this, where you get you get this like freebie, awesome experience. You get this amazing kind of freebie peak experience. Make it a little darker. So you get this freebie great experience. And then what happens is it, you get dropped back down to the cold, cold world. And then you go climbing back up reach the top of the mountain again, but to really get up to that level. Now, these little peak experiences are, um, sometimes you're coming from down below to get to the peak experience, so that's the baseline. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to like come up from very far, and then you get dropped, and then you work your way back up again. So the peak experience is spiritual. I'm not sure you experienced this, but it was Passover night. Passover night's the peak experience. Then we get dropped down to zero. This is negative 49. This is a positive. So this is minus. I'm not digging this pen at all. They're all bad? They're all bad? Uh, is this one of the bad ones? your way back up to 50 and this is the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai these are the tablets okay getting back to Mount Sinai so we're we were high we were low we flew up high we got dropped down to to zero and then we work our way up how do we work our way up we work our way up via seven weeks one two three four five six seven we work our way up by seven weeks. We are now in the, um, just number them. We are now in the third week, the first day of the third week. So each of these break into seven. So we're in day one of, we're in day one. Today is day one of the seven, thank you, Rahul. Day one of the third week. And yesterday I discussed the details of all, what this is all about and the work we need to do. But this is a kind of a pictorial, a spiritual pictorial of this time of year. Every time of year in the Jewish calendar is like a a spiritual washing machine that we go through. And right now we're in kind of a long-term time of year. You see, for example, Sukkot holiday is eight days. Okay, Seven days in the sukkah, and then the eighth day we come out of the sukkah. It's eight days. Pesach, Passover, Pesach, Passover, is how many days? Eight. It's also... It's seven. It's seven. But what happens is that holiday called Pesach actually is um, eight days. It's just that the eighth day is here. To get to actually get to the eighth day of Pesach, you have to build your way up via these things. We're actually going up to the eighth day. In fact, the eighth day of Sukkot holiday is called Shemini Atzeret. And what is the 
what is the holiday here called? What's the holiday of Shavuos called? Atzeret. It's got the same name. It's the eighth day of Pesach. So we are building our way up to get back to Pesach. The building we're doing is a purely spiritual build, which I'll be talking about in a minute. Yes, sir. How do you know what level you're on or if you're negative or positive? Ezra's here. Okay. Just reverse the screen so people can see who asked the question. Should I ask it again? Yes. How do we know what level we're on and if we're negative or positive? What level we're on? Individually, how can we measure? Oh, where we're at? Where we're at? Yeah. Oh, I, well, I have no idea. No. <laughs> <laughs> so think about it. I have no idea. I I don't even think about such things. I mean, what level I'm on. I, I'm just part of the Jewish people. I always see myself like, kind of, if this is like the the if this is like the substrate of the Jewish people, like I'm somewhere in the middle. So whenever there's like these times, I would never even have thought of such a thing. Of where am I at? I'm I'm within my nation somewhere. Also, what if someone's like done spirit? Like done the seven weeks and done the work over and over again year after year, are they automatically going to get dropped right after Passover? Hmm. Zero just because they... We're all dropped to zero. Even the people who have worked for what they got. This is it. We all go to zero. What do you got? What do you got? I mean, what, what, what do any of us got? Do you guys know what number... You know what number... You know what the level is right above 50? What's right? What's right above the number fifty in Judaism? You probably are thinking it's fifty-one. No, the level right above fifty is one, it's, and then you count up to fifty. And guess what happens when you reach fifty? You go up one more level, one. Because what's happening is you're these are categorical shifts happening, but you're back to one each time, and it really feels like one each time. See, my, it could be, I like what you're saying a little bit in that it's making me think thoughts like, like my, my, let's say I'm on level 15, working my way up. Could be my level 15 and Josh is also on his level 15. Could be different categories of level 15s. But I'm feeling like, oh man, I'm on 15. And he's like, oh man, I'm on 15. Can you both be level 15s but completely different people? So you're individualistically level 15s but different. Just different categories of growth. In the fifty, in the sets of fifty, in the sets of, of of you know whatever it is to reach fifty, but I don't like this discussion at all because I'm a very clawly uh, personality. Uh, what do you call clawly? Um, General. <laughs> also, I'm a very uh, how do you say? General. Well, the opposite of individual. I always see myself as just part of Am Yisrael. I don't, I don't really think much about my own growth or levels and stuff. I work on myself a lot, but where I get to, I never even would think about. Like, it would never even register that I got somewhere. You know what I mean? I'm just another Jew, <laughs> just like you, yeah. growing. Which is probably why I teach so much about growth because I'm always just growing and asking you to grow. But you can't ask someone to grow if you're not growing. Okay, here we go. The what I'd like to do is yesterday, what we did was we I basically explained all the seven ways, but today what I'd like to do is just 
take it to a, a, a higher level of understanding. And so those who were here yesterday will get a higher level of understanding. For those of you who are here today, you'll get a, you'll get a perfect understanding. Just, it'll be a little more general than, than the people who were yesterday. Which is not a big deal. Now, what we discussed yesterday, for everyone who wasn't here, was the difference between flow and structure. Flow and structure. Certain people are into the flow, certain people are into structure. I'm imagining that you're a little more of a structure person. And I'm imagining he's a little more of a structure person. And I'm more of a flow person. And different people have different types of personalities. But there's, my wife's a little more structure, much more structure than me. I'm a little more flow. And we spoke about it how yesterday, how in Bed Bath and Beyond they know every customer is either going to be flow or structure. So it'll either have like, you know, uh, geometric shapes on the towels or it's going to be like, you know, flowers and stuff on the flowers. And the flow people buy the flowers and the structure people buy the geometric shapes on the, you know, that are on the towels. Everything breaks down to flow and structure. There is nothing else but flow and structure. That's all there is. The flow is the masculine energy and the structure is the feminine energy. Okay? Flow and structure. It's everywhere. It's all, it's all there is. Flow and structure. Now today, the way we're going to fatten this thing up is, is that we're going to start discussing three modalities. And the three modalities are the intellectual, the interpersonal, and the instinctual. Intellectual, interpersonal, and the instinctual. Intellectual, obviously, has to do with ideas. Interpersonal has to do with relationship. And instinctual has to do with the uh, instincts of the body. Okay? Those are three modalities, or three very uh, important characters of creation. So, for example, in this table, like this table here, you can't... uh, It's hard to see it in it, but inside this table is pure intellect. Anyone see the intellect in the table? Someone give me an idea of what I'm talking about here. Any intellect in the table? It's design. Excellent. Ezra got it. It was a little hard question. It's design. It's purely intellectual. Whoever designed this table, there was no table. There was only an idea of a table. And before that idea of the table, there was first the flow idea of the table. Remember, everything's flow and structure. So there was the flow idea of the table of, of, hey, we need furniture. But then there was the structure idea of the table. What's your flow part of your brain? What's that called? The left brain or the right brain? Right brain. Right brain. Right brain is the flow. Okay. What's that called? What kind of part of your brain is that? The creative. Creative, or it's really called the associative part of the brain. Clear? It's the part of your brain that gets tickled when you're stoned. Okay. For those who smoke grass. Okay. And unfortunately, the, the other side atrophies when you do that. But the left side of the brain, what's that called? It's the structure part of the brain. Good. What's it called? Analytical. Very good. It's your analytical brain. It's your left brain. So everything's flow and structure, including your brain. So the first idea was, hey, we need furniture for Asia Terra. That was the flow. And then the structure was, well, what should we use? Should we have individual desks? Should we have desks of two? Should we have desks of four? Like, how do we want to do it? 
And a lot of decisions had to be made. And they're like, well, how wide's the room? And we've got to have rows. I mean, the aisles, sorry, we're going to have aisles. So like, get in and out. And how many are you going to order? And what's the price point? And what's the budget? And what's the timeline? And are you looking for a more natural feel? Or maybe you want formica, like you want real wood? You want to pay for real wood? Yeah. What's the budget? What's going on? Those are all structural decisions need to be made. Was there a table at any point at that meeting till in this discussion? No tables. But you bet there's a table now, and guess what's in that table? In the table is all those discussions. Get that? This is going on all the time. Your very body's made of discussions that were had between your parents. Okay? Your, your very body comes from discussions. And, you know, this property we're in right now, things were said, ideas were exchanged. You'll never go anywhere without it. Your airplane, believe me, there was a lot of ideas involved in that airplane that flew you over here. <laughs> a lot of ideas were thrown around. So the so that never is going to leave the equation, even though we uh, the reason we're a little disconnected from it is because because you're just like I see a table, I don't see intellectual, but um, that's because the designer and the designed the creator and created. You don't need the designer anymore. I mean, we could we could basically lose the designer's number off our phone once we got the tables. Thank you very much for delivery. I'm going to delete your number, which we wouldn't do because of whatever warranty issues. But you don't need the guy anymore. You get that? Once you got the table, you don't need the guy. Whereas the creator of the world and the creation are intimately bound up to one another. I'm going to say that again. The... Listen carefully, the creator and the created, when it comes to the world, are intimately bound up to one another. See, I could take the blueprint of this building and burn it, nothing's going to happen to the building. The building will stay fine. What do we need the blueprint for? Whereas... In our situation, the creator is, is, I mean, think about where this moment's, what's your name? Madison. What? Madison. Madison? Cool name. Such a great generation of names you grew up with. We didn't get to meet anybody named Madison when I grew up. So, Madison, the, 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 um, what was I going to talk about the building, the, um, oh, what's creating this moment? Yeah, what's creating this moment? There's moments happening, aren't there? Would you agree there's moments transpiring? Yes. Yeah, what's creating it? Yeah, <laughs> where's it coming from? Last moment? Last moment's dead, gone, history. You got that? Last moment, and, and do you think last moment had in it the ability to create this moment? And did last moment anyway have any creative ability whatsoever? Was there any creative ability? Possibly have produced this moment? The answer is no, there was nothing in it at all. Everything was quite statically created last moment, but there was nothing in the last moment that would possibly create this moment. So this moment's coming into existence. 
at all times via the creator. So the creator and the creation are intimately bound up with one another. The designer and the designed need each other. Well, it doesn't need us, but we need, we certainly need it. Yeah? Um, so you said, like, what's creating this moment? So I was thinking maybe just, like, your perspective on mm-hmm. creating the moment. Because, like, you're, the way you think creates your reality. So if you're thinking in a certain way, that's going to create the moment. So that, that's an amazing... That's an amazing discussion. Oh, wait, that died? Yeah, I messed something up. You can start a new one. Uh, Is it, did you press, yeah. I just pressed, like, the off button. And you, <laughs> the off, like, one of the buttons. Don't worry about it. So. Perspective. Perspective and perspective's interaction with creation is pretty interesting stuff. But, and it really does, 2121, it really does have a, uh, there is a play. There's, you know, if you know physics, like there, the perceiver and the perspective or perspective do relate. Um, however, if none of us were in this room, for example, so there would be no perspective of the room. But you bet you there's a room because the creator's creating the room. The creator's creating the room into existence at all times, whether we're in here or not. So it's a fascinating discussion how our perspective interplays. But God doesn't need our perspective for this room to exist every single day, even if no one ever came in this room. Uh, so I guess I misunderstood what you said. I thought you meant, like, like whatever. I thought I would give, like, a different answer, I guess. It's okay. I was just saying, what's creating this moment? The answer is, you, there's only God can be creating this moment, because the last moment can't make it, and the last moment's all we got. So the only thing it could possibly be is caused by last moment. But there's nothing inside of last moment that can that has any creative influence. Yeah, uh, Edward. Sort of want to piggyback on what he said. Uh, is uh, you know because I'm I just finished reading a book. It's like not a book or whatever. What's a book? Uh, Choices and Illusions by Eldon Taylor. Okay, anyway, um, wouldn't you say that by being created, we're also given co-creative poten- uh, potential or ability? Yeah, very much so. I discuss that a lot. I train people in co-creative ability. And I actually work professionally in that. Yeah, it's my other job. But um, but back to our work is do you get how the intellect is interplayed in everything you see? The reason we don't think that way is because it's removed from the designer. So the designed and the designer don't need each other, it seems. But when you're coming from a Jewish perspective, <laughs> whoa, the designer and the designer are totally bound up together. And therefore, listen carefully, when I see something, even inanimate, I sense the wisdom in it. You get that? I sense the wisdom in it because there's wisdom in this table. There were discussions had. There was, there was, there was mathematics. There was measurements. There was all kinds of thought involved. So it's a cool way to look at the world is start to open your mind up to the wisdom of the world that's in all things which may have just been a couple of people designing the thing you're looking at. But it gets even cooler when you go into nature. I'll illustrate that with a story, a great story of the... The Magad of Mezrich was a great Hasidic master. But he did not start off that way. He actually started off as as the... Um, he was kind of the one of the postcad door, it's called, bless you. One of the postcad door, it means... Uh, one of the regional masters of Torah for a whole area of Europe. Okay, they, meaning he was in charge of a large tract of Jewish settlement of Europe, 
in decisions, major decisions, relationships with the government, Gentile government and stuff, like big time. But what happened was he kept hearing about a miracle worker called the Baal Shem Tov, and it was bothering him, and it was bothering everyone else, because you guys know when you hear about snake oil salesmen grabbing everyone's attention, you know, it raises an eyebrow, and you're like, please don't get our beautiful Jewish people wrapped up in some movement. We don't like Jews getting wrapped up in movements, especially when they're being run by charismatic geniuses. Okay? Charismatic geniuses are by far the most dangerous people on the planet. You know, once in a while someone says, oh, you've got to meet this guy, he's brilliant. I'm like, well, you know, if you don't mind, I'll be first judging, you know, how much uh, reverence of God he has. And then I'd like to know a bit about his knowledge base. But the people who are, think about the worst things that ever happened to Earth. The worst things that humanity has produced. The very worst things. Always, at least a brilliant person. And if it was a political movement, he probably was also charismatic. But it always was at the hands of some brilliant person with no reverence to the maker. So that's why I'm, I always check it out. If anyone tells me, oh, you got to meet so-and-so, he's so brilliant or she's so brilliant, I'm like, that's nice. I'd rather meet a dumb person. Thank you very much. Seriously, I'd much rather, if I have to sit on an airplane for 12 hours next to an idiot who knows the basics, I'd much rather, you know, has a little reverence of his maker. I'd rather sit next to that dummy than some brilliant person who's, who's irreverent to the maker because they're the most dangerous people there are. I don't want to sit next to a dangerous person for 12 hours and just ask, add charisma. Oh, then you're really in trouble, and, and that's when you, they hit. When those guys hit religion or politics, charismatic leaders with no reverence for the maker, danger. Red light, big red light. But uh, that was my rant. It's over. Uh, back to us. The <laughs> the um, anyway, but the when you get into nature. Oh, I was telling a story. So what happened was the Magid of Mezrich. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a little out of it today. I don't know what's going on with me. Why am I so out of it? I can't think of any reason. And I never said good chodesh to everybody, but today's the new moon, and it's special time for the Jewish people, just like the moon waxes and wanes, and the Jewish people and the lives of its individual Jews is always kind of like waxing and waning, and we're like full of movement. Well, tonight, today and tonight are the days of renewal for us. And it's a very special time. Today's the 16th day? Or the fifth? Today is the 15th day of the Omer. Yes. So it's right there. And in the, uh, and in the uh, Jewish calendar, today is the 30th day of Nisan. And tonight will be the first day of ER. And we're going into the first day of ER today. Now. Story. So what happened was the Magid, don't do it, Edward, don't do it. The Magid, don't do it. You're going to what? I'm trying to get to the Opan. Oh, did they just call you? No, 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 I'm just looking at the time. Oh, okay. But you do what you got to do. I don't want you getting... I don't want have time to talk, that's the thing. I don't want them to kick you off. No, i got like a minute. I'm sorry, I don't need the pressure. You're good. Um... 
you'll hear the story. It's a one-minute story. So he goes, uh, what happened was the rabbi of the entire region said, you know what? i got to go see for myself who this miracle worker is. Now, the community and the other rabbis in the community were so upset. They're like, you're going to go? How's our leader going to disappear, travel across Europe, and go find this this snake oil salesman who's who's razzle-dazzling everybody? And so he says, I just got to see for myself. So he went, and he didn't come back. He was gone for a really long time. And finally he shows up back in town. Like, like I don't remember, I think it was like nine months later, he comes back. And they're like, oh, you decided to come back. And he comes into his house. The whole community gathers around him. All the top rabbis of the community are sitting at the table. And here he is. And they're like, so what did you discover? So he says, I found out that there's a God. And they're like, the leader of our entire region found out there's a God. <laughs> well, that's good news. And, uh, and then one of them, they were upset. So one of them decided to make fun of him. Now, the, the Gentile servant was coming out with a bowl full of fruit to the Rebbe. And he said, interrupts her as she's walking. He said, he's sitting next to the Rebbe. He says, he says uh, to this Gentile servant, he says, you know, she's a toothless peasant, this lady. And he, he says to her, tell us, uh, where did this fruit come from? And she said, it came from the kitchen. Well, where did it come from before that? It came from the store. Where did it come from before that? It came from the trees. <laughs> and where did it come from before that? And she points up, she says, it came from God. And so he looks at the rabbi and he says, you know, the, the Ukrainian peasant, <laughs> you know, says it comes from God. You know, like, that's what you found out? And he says, she says, I know. <laughs> so, you're good. So, so, anyway, the when you go into nature and you see the wisdom in it, when you, you see an apple, a grape, yesterday my daughter opened for me a passion fruit. Um, I mean, of course, avocados, whoa. guacamole, yeah. When's the last time you had a good bowl of guacamole? Pesach, all we do is eat matzah and guacamole. I can't imagine how many avocados I consumed over wow. Pesach. Yeah, it was just every day I had a bowl full of guacamole for lunch and dinner. Yeah. You didn't have any guacamole? Probably at least seven avocados per day. My Shabbos meals have guacamole. You should come to Shabbos lunch. Guacamole. Wow. And we're testing the theory because it stays green all Shabbos because we heard our, our guacamole would turn brown, you know, during the next day, except for, you know, the... You should put lemon in. No, even with a lemon, it would oh. go right. But what we did, we heard that if you keep the seeds underwater, like in a bowl underwater. Uh, our, my daughter read it in the newspaper, Nahami. If you keep the if you keep the seeds of the avocado underwater, just on the counter, underwater though, the whole time you're eating your guacamole, meaning it could be for days, it stays perfectly green. Uh-huh. And ever, we tried it, and ever since then we have perfectly green. You tried it? It works for you too. Yeah, it's the weirdest. You tried? I didn't believe you, and then I tried it, and it worked. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh. It's so weird. But the plant 
community has relationships of all kinds that we don't really understand. And that's one of them. Seeds of avocados need to go underwater to keep the avocado happy, I guess. I don't know. stays green. They, they put an EKG machine in an onion, like they, they tapped an onion with an EKG machine, put it in one side of a room, and then took another onion on the other side of the room, sliced it, and the other onion went crazy. So, meaning, meaning they've basically proven that, that the vegetable world knows it's each other. They're friends. You know that? You can slice an onion on one side of the kitchen, and the other onion knows that its friend got sliced. If it's not its friend. If they're not friends? All onions are friends. See, he's in the friend world. What if they're not friends? <laughs> they're in the same class. The thing I love is kids his age, all the kids in class are called your friends. So, so they'll come home. Sometimes they'll be like, I hate my friend. <laughs> I'm so mad at my friend. Because <laughs> the friend just means they're in your class. It doesn't have anything to do with the relationship. Now, the um, the next is the interpersonal. So that's the intellect. The intellect's in everything. The next is the interpersonal. And interpersonal, uh, when I say interpersonal, for us as humans, it's interpersonal. But for the rest of the world, it's the actual creation of the thing. So like this tree was created. And that was the, that was like the real action, like the action of things is happening there. And um, what's up? Yeah, you can shake the pens like this. And they get, didn't work. This one's dead? Yeah. No, I have a pen, uh, a pen. Uh, so look, come back here and see if you can throw that up to the top over there. It's That's my uh, pen graveyard. It's been going on for years. Nice try. See see if you can get it. No, it's there. No, that's not the graveyard. Graveyard's up top. Nice, nice. But let's work just with ourselves right now. Guys, think about it. What are you in your settings? Are you more intellectual? Are you more interpersonal? Or are you more instinctual? Which one? Are you more intellectual, more interpersonal, or more instinctual? What, what's instinctual? Food, <laughs> sleep, uh, touch. Reproduction. Oh, just like Reproduction. with your animal needs. Yeah, just your physical body. Some people, like, some people, they're like cats. Like, no matter how they fall, they always land on their feet. I have an instinctual son who, who he'll fly... He'll take jumps on mountain bikes. I mean, like, like thir- cover thirty foot distances, fifteen feet up high, and blow the jump. Meaning he blew it. And any other rider on that level would just, you know, you ditch your bike and you Superman into, you know, roll or whatever. You do something. I've watched him mid air, an absolutely botched jump. Meaning he's below the bike and the bike's up there or something. I've watched him rearrange himself and somehow. He always lands back on those tires. You know, he's so instinctual. This, well, it's dangerous for anyone else. For him, apparently, it's not. Why? Because he will fix himself. Because, well, I could take you out with a few other bikers, <laughs> with no jumps, 
and they're going to be coming back in an ambulance. Okay, from these trails. It's like a cat so, restabilizing midair. Yeah. It's total instinct. It's natural. It's, it's just embedded. coming. Yeah, they're embedded with that stuff. So I get it. What does that have to do with instinct? Everything. <laughs> because a, an intellectual. He's not a strong instinct. He's a strong intellect. So intellectuals. First of all, intellectuals. Just. In general, should stay off mountain bikes, you know, and stay off the trail for the most part. Although it really is amazing, the centrifugal—I don't know what you call it—but the force of a moving tire does balance the bike. So I've noticed even intellectuals can ride mountain bikes, but I, I prefer they go riding with someone else. And they're, but they—they they just don't have the physical instincts. There are once in a while intellectuals that have it. It's almost never, almost never, do you get that? Instinctual people love the sensual pleasures. They love sensing things, feeling it, touching it. Uh, intellects, intellects like Wikipedia. You know, they like Google search. Okay, they they like they love sh- discussions at Shabbos tables and stuff. They like classes. And so I feel bad for any of you who are not intellectuals who are inside this class right now. Although my class is probably one of the better ones to go to if you're not an intellectual. Okay. I'm probably intellectual. You are. Yeah, you like ideas. You like ideas a lot. And you're an author. Yeah. And I like to, um, if I don't think the okay. paper feels right, then I don't um, have it pr- um, printed um, on that paper as a graphic designer. Uh, so, but f- things feeling right is instinct. Yeah, so it has to feel That's right. Okay. Um, anyway, but intellectuals also, you know, they, it's harder to choose a spouse and stuff. Yeah, really? Yeah, because it's only on paper. You don't know how to... Tune into the, to the instincts. Women can. Oh, uh, women can. Maybe not men. <laughs> men is a little harder. <laughs> now, by the way, we're not discussing brains here. One of the smartest people who ever worked for Aisha Tara was an absolute instinct guy. I mean, before he discovered Judaism, he was rebuilding Mustangs, like Ford Mustangs, and like overeating burgers and probably drinking a lot of beer, you know, and. That's what he did. He rebuilt Mustangs. Who was this guy? Just a genius guy. Oh. Yeah, he's married. Sorry. Um, <laughs> he's a genius guy. A genius, but was he intellectual? Nope. I have no idea. He's a, I told you already. He's a total instinct guy. Oh. And then there are interpersonal people. What does that mean? Interpersonal people are people who like communicating with people the most. Oh. So they're not really going to be the guy landing the mountain bike. And they're also not going to be the guy who's uh, enjoying the library. But they are going to love people. And you'll notice their brain turns on when they're with people. Whenever they're with people, they just their thoughts come on. And like, meaning when they're by themselves, they like it almost like the screen goes blank. And then you put them in front of even one other person, and they can talk all night. They'll literally go till the sunrise, just talking out ideas. Those are interpersonal people. Now, the truth is that all of us have all three attributes. But the question is just the order, the order that you are. So, for example, I'm a 2-3-1. 2-3-1 is a interpersonal, instinctual, intellectual. I'm a 2-3-1. Thankfully, my wife's a 2-3-1, too. You want to marry someone, ideally, I, I lucked out. I married a 2-3-1. I'm a 2-3-1, she's a 2-3-1. So we basically love talking all night. 
and then we love to like do yoga or whatever. And then, and you know, okay, we'll also have intellectual discussions, but that's like going to be at the bottom of the list. Well, you can have all three. Everybody has all three. We have all three. Oh, so now she's much more intellectual than I am. My my proportions were given way more on the interpersonal and the instinctual, and I was left like a little remnant of intellectual. I, I'm not very intellectual, so where she's strong intellectual. So it took a while for us to for her to realize that after the chant. That's the hot stew we eat, Shabbos day. After the chulant, I would be going to sleep. And I have a rule that I'm not allowed to eat chulant more than 50 feet from a bed. <laughs> so that's just how it goes. I mean, you can invite me for lunch somewhere, but you're going to have to provide me a bed. And I pity the foo who has to eat lunch at different people's houses Shabbos day, far from their bed. Because that's, I mean, that walk, what's it like walking back to your bed after chulant? Like you're ready to kill somebody. Don't yeah. get in the way. Don't get in the way. Everyone's one of my daughter invites me over to her house. I'm like, no thank you. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a difference between we'll retract that from the video though? Dinner I'm cool with. Just don't give me chillin'. So yeah. Is there a difference between instinct and intuition? No, that's where intuition's by instinct. Okay. By instinct. <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's not the same thing, but that's where oh. it, that's where it dwells. Oh. Prophecies down by instinct, by the way. Prophecies in the instinct level. Yeah, which is interesting. And uh, and yo, what's up, Daniel? Good to see you, bro. You look great. You look like you came off a Hollywood shoot right now, and you're like on your way to <laughs> you're on your way to grab your longboard at Sunset Point. That'd be amazing. <laughs> so, um, the, um, yeah. So those are the three modalities. We have all three, but you want to figure out your order of which of those three that you, uh, that you really love the most. Which order do you love the most? So I'm a really a two, three, one. I can't help it. I mean, I'm stuck with that. Those are my factory settings. I have to stretch myself to the intellectual, to study, like to study, if I don't have a set schedule, forget about it, like then I'm just like trying to open a book. If I have a set schedule, so the structure of the day helps me to with the study, but I will never naturally go study. You, you understand? Because that's my, my third modality is intellect. So I'm least interested in ideas. I'm most interested in you, and I'm second most interested in like, you know, like mountain biking, jacuzzis, massage, I love and ideas. ice cold beer and burritos. Yeah, that's more more like it for me. Craft beer, crap, obviously craft beer. Although I did, I did after my last mountain bike ride, I did drink a uh, a Tuborg. Don't ask. It was that was all they had. <laughs> Such a loss. Half a liter of Tuborg. Warm, right? No, no, it was on a tap, ice cold. But I don't know. Although the truth is, after sports, lager, lager does the trick. Maybe just as much as a ale. Anyway, um, so what I'd like you guys to do right now is just have a little discussion amongst yourself. If you're watching this live or on video, just to think about it for a little while. Everyone just take a moment and just think about what you guys, because you're sitting with each other, you guys discuss it. But what are you? Are you a one, three, two? I think you're a one, two, three, personally. Yeah, because really? yeah, your interpersonal is very good, too. So I think you're a one, two, three. He's actually way higher. Is it? Uh, 
Anyway, so think about what you are. Are you 231, 213, 321? Someone just take a moment, just discuss you two talk amongst yourselves. Okay, you two can talk. You can uh, flip around, Menachem, speak to that dude. Okay, to Lawrence. Okay, and uh, Aviva, you can talk to uh, Madison. Okay, Madison's starting though, because you have much more to say to you. Okay, and, uh, and then uh, Daniel, you'll work with Moshe over there. And I'll work with Mendy. Okay? David, you're going to work with yourself. You two talk to each other. Are you more... Are you guys have talked... Uh, you'll start, and then... Are you more about ideas? Or are you more about connecting to people? That's here. Or are you more about, like, getting out there and doing it? Okay? Ideas? Connecting to people? Or just getting out there and doing it? Yeah, this video is not going to be a video. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to say shalom here. Um, if you watch this video, so that's Shalom. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.